are listening to Always Learning, Always Teaching, where business leaders share how they practice business as a force for good. This radio show and podcast is brought to you by the Mac 6 Entrepreneurial Center. And now let's lean in with Kyle and Scott McIntosh as they learn with today's valued guests. You are listening to Always Learning, Always Teaching, where business leaders share how they practice business as a force for good. This radio show and podcast is brought to you by Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center. And now let's listen to Kyle McIntosh and Scott McIntosh as they learn with today's valued guests. I'm Kyle McIntosh here with my co-host, business partner and dad, Scott McIntosh. I love that title, dad, by the way. <laughs> uh, we are ready to learn from business leaders who incorporate long-term win-wins for all of their stakeholders. Today, we are excited to introduce you to Darren Chapman, CEO of the Tiger Mountain Foundation. Welcome, Darren. Thank you. I appreciate that, Kyle. So the way that we start here, I guess, is learning a little bit more about you, Darren. And where'd you grow up? How'd you grow up? How'd you get from there to where you sit today? Wow. Let's see here. How much time do we have? For goodness (laughs) sakes. Uh, A quick from there to here is I, I grew up in Los Angeles, California. There was an interesting winding road to get from there to here. I uh, saw a lot of really incredible things growing up with my grandparents as a young guy, uh, hunted with greyhounds, which was so interesting. You know, so many people growing up in the city aren't even familiar with the greyhound. However, I was uh, smack dab in the middle of the city, Kyle, hunting. And that was just incredible for me uh, to be a young man learning a craft such as hunting with greyhounds. Uh, My my grandparents grew their own produce. So we had vegetable gardens in the backyard. Uh, We had an incredible avocado tree and and plums. And so that's mostly what I experienced as a very young guy. And, And then the from there to here part of it is Growing up in South Central Los Angeles, we kind of hear all the horror stories with the gangs and the drugs and all of that stuff. And and so I went through all of that as well. Uh, it's, it's that whole story of sitting on that beautiful utopic side of the fence where everything is just so beautiful, the fruit and veggies and, and the grandparents making a go of it going into Los Angeles, California. That was incredible. And, and then all the other stuff that comes with the uh, the, the hardcore, hard scrabble interscape of growing up in the city. Uh, so so that's where I'm from. And, and, and so I've seen uh, both sides of those fence. And as we'll hear in this conversation, I've been able to incorporate a little bit of all of that into uh, what I do now. So question, I mean, it, it had to have been almost like two realities in a way to kind of, you say, see either side of the fence and this utopic side and this other side where there's all this other stuff in this poll going on to uh, get involved. And I mean, I'm sure you still see that today. Yeah. Yeah. I still see it today. I I see it in a uh, combination of ways. I, I see it with the folks that we work with in the community. Uh, we We deal with so many beautiful youth from all array of growing up. When I say all of array of growing up, you, you see youth who are coming from somewhat of a really good background, and they're just interested in gardening and, and wanting to get involved in community. But we also see other youth who are uh, coming from that same environment that I came from, and uh, they're, they're not really sure 
what they want to do or what they want to get involved with. Uh, that 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 creates um, all of that spectrum and all of that that could, could even be in between from uh, behavioral health to uh, environmental uh, issue growing up uh, between that that wide spectrum. So, yeah, um, it was interesting. Uh, definitely, I still see a lot of the same things happening. Definitely uh, some of the same challenges. I've seen quite a bit of improvement over the years and some of the uh, systemic uh, issue that uh, could confront some of these young men. I see uh, quite a bit of maturation even in our own delivery and organizational uh, way that we try to address some of these things. So uh, most definitely, uh, I've had to look at this uh, in so many different ways, uh, that, that same picture and how do you improve that same picture. Darren, you and I first met, I think it's eight or nine years ago now, and uh, Tiger Mountain was fairly new organization, I think, and it was through uh, Social Venture Partners. And uh, I remember at the time is uh, through Social Venture Partners, and we worked with, uh, had a program called Fast Pitch, which had, uh, we picked uh, leaders of uh, 20 different nonprofits to go through a program and put them on on stage and uh, taught them how to do their pitch, and you've always had a pretty good pitch. But uh, you know, I, I just I just remember first meeting you, and and the uh, passion that you had, and working with you, you took first place there as on the prize. And your, I mean, your background, Darren, is I mean, you, you've you've been in prison, you've been homeless, and uh, at the time, Tiger Mountain was working with uh, folks coming out of come out of the prison and uh, putting them to work in the garden and teaching them skills and whatnot. But uh, just just I mean, uh, Darren, just when you and I first met. Uh, where was Tiger Mountain then uh, with what you're doing and, and uh, sort of folks you're working with community? And I think you've expanded and it's grown so much as uh, this term community garden. There's there's lots of different people looking at it different ways. And there's an apartment complex. It's got a community garden that folks are growing their own fruits and vegetables. But you've taken this to a whole nother level with how you're engaging a community. Just talk about that, if you would, you know, from from when we first met and what you're doing now. Yeah. So when we first met, I was in a fast pitch contest first year. I, I it's interesting because uh, this is a different world uh, from from what I just spoke of earlier in our conversation. Uh, and, and what makes it so different is um, the things that you just don't know in life. Uh, so when I was in the fast pitch contest back then and people were kind of spitting out the stats and 5.4 point million folks will. And I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what what, what the heck do I need to remember here? Uh, I'm just reminded by folks like uh, Scott and some other really uh, uh, folks who were very interested in me just kind of being myself to just kind of give your story. You, you have uh, an interesting way of telling your story. So just relax and just kind of give your story the way that you would normally have a conversation with anyone. And, and I thought that that was so very helpful. And so uh, that story still stands. And, and that, that story is a story of how can we actually really make an impact? I mean, as a young man like myself growing up in the community, what was I missing? I, I was missing some intricacies of uh, how I could be healthy. How could I have a, a quality of lifestyle change? And so that involved uh, workforce economics. So with Tiger Mountain Foundation, we have a very strong focus on that workforce economic quotient. Uh, there, there was also that point of entry. Um, if, if a point of entry into my uh, growth would be an adult saying, hey, Darren, this is the way that it goes and that's the way that it looks. Well, I, I, I might take that as 
yes, that that is the way that it goes. And it is the way because you just really don't have any state of mind. So you kind of follow with who is going to be the leader. Um, however, with Tiger Mountain Foundation, part of our maturation was also changing that uh, conceptually into what we call asset-based community development. And that means that uh, uh, a Kyle McIntosh could have just as much uh, credibility and influence in a conversation as a role scholar, as a person like Darren Chapman, who has been behind bars, or um, anyone for that matter who has uh, growth in a certain particular aspect of uh, how they actually achieved and overcame something. Uh, so that that was uh, another aspect of our growth. And, and then finally, all of this really didn't mean a whole bunch if cumulatively this, this whole cycle could come right back around and be virtuous. That cycle where uh, everything that you do uh, actually uh, fishtails right back into itself and, and it's still within that whole positive framework of how we're going to move forward. Uh, so the whole narrative change, the whole uh, conversation and, and lifestyle, uh, quality of life narrative change uh, would be the third aspect of how we matured as an organization uh, that I'm so proud of. Uh, so uh, our initial foray into this was uh, looking for what we call legitimate streams of income. You can imagine after being behind bars, it was like, okay, well, I, I need to kind of think of something that's going to be legal, and I don't have to look over my shoulders. Uh, so we that that was our tagline: Tiger Mountain Foundation, legitimate streams of income. And and so uh, we figured that uh, chopping and recopping uh, mustard turnips and collard greens, as opposed to uh, legal narcotics, uh, would would be a safe way to go. We wouldn't have to look over our shoulders. And then we found that that intentionality brought a lot of other people to the table. And uh, so here we are. So. I'm imagining somebody's listening to this. They've never heard of Tiger Mountain Foundation before. Tell us, I mean, we've kind of alluded to it. We've said words like community garden and the resources, but I mean, tell us what you do as an organization. What, how would you tell, uh, I just met you, Darren, and, and uh, what, do you, what does Tiger Mountain Foundation do? Yeah, so Tiger Mountain Foundation would be that bridge. We are the bridge from... All of these folks in, in our in our lives are needed. You know, sometimes you hear folks say, well, that guy's an activist. He doesn't actually do the work. He talks about what needs to be done. However, um, if, if no one even brings it to anyone's attention, then how would you ever know? So the activist is needed. Uh, Tiger, Tiger Mountain Foundation ascribes to what I feel is proactivism. We're, we're that we're that bridge of, of of being outside late at night and and and, uh, and confronting and and addressing that issue very physically, uh, very hands on, very high touch. So that would be how I would describe Tiger Mountain Foundation. Here, here's another way that I've always thought of ourselves. If you could possibly have a uh, a, a conduit, a, a vortex, some something that actually could just like literally push you forward where you are, that would be safe and that would be okay. Um, I, I I would love to uh, always think of ourselves as an organization that really takes people where they are and 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 looks at that and asks that question: Where would you like to go? And, and then 
uh, through our point of entry, which is called our personal strategy roadmap. Uh, we can actually bring an instructor or a mentor, an educator back to that mentorship. Uh, and, and once again, that person could be Phi Beta Kappa and, and or someone who, uh, uh, like my grandfather, uh, didn't graduate from third grade, but he taught himself how to speak Spanish. He taught himself how to be uh, a homeowner and uh, do some other incredible things as a leader in his community. So um, that's what I would say is uh, it's 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 a, a very unique way of delivering nonprofit work uh, with a very strong sense of social entrepreneurism. Darren. I think it might be helpful to, uh, uh, in Phoenix here, that uh, listeners may be familiar with, what are the, some of the communities that you've got into and and what did they look like? Uh, what was like living in those communities? And then what did you do through with Tiger Mountain that, uh, and uh, and what do those communities look like look like now? Because that's what I think is, is truly unique about what you're doing as we use this term community garden is uh, what do those communities look like and, and how are they doing now? Yeah, yeah. That's an interesting question, Scott, because uh, I, my vacations typically entail going to uh, someone's uh, marginalized community. So, so instead of going to see Miami and and you know the Miami Dolphins, I, I go to Overtown. And I don't know if any of you uh, listeners have ever been to Overtown, but that's the hood. So, so I, I mean, and, and so. I, I had to look at this, especially at the tender age of 56 right now, and I'm thinking all of my vacations are kind of centered around going to the hood, right? Um, I'm, I'm tremendously blessed uh, as a, uh, uh, th- this is, I mean, I couldn't have asked for more. And then every once in a while, I'm able to break away from Overtown and and, and go see a Miami. I got a chance to see LeBron James when he played with the Miami Heat. I got a chance to see the Apollo Theater, although I was out there to look at some different things going on in Harlem and that type of thing. Same with uh, uh, Nevada, Las Vegas and, and uh, New Orleans. And I- I've seen some things that this is the reason why we do the work, uh, because some of those things that I saw is uh, the just absolutely, how can someone actually live through these types of horrors, uh, uh, whether it's the horrors of uh, substance addiction, uh, homelessness, blight. These are the types of places where I'm asked to go and consult and, and asked to go and address. But interestingly enough, you know, I, I say this uh I'm 100% tremendously blessed What uh, walking out of maximum security in 1990 and, and looking at um, the world as uh, what, what's in it for me and, and thinking that, okay, well, one thing I know for sure, I, I know where I'm going to go right back to, and that was the third highest murder capital block in the nation. Uh, so to go back to that block and to um, uh, look for a different pathway, and, and now here we are. Gosh, uh, what is the the math? Twenty six years later, twenty six years later, roughly. Gosh, and then to have so many folks giving you a call back. Some of those youth who were eleven years old who are now in college or in the military, or uh, now they have a wife and kid, or they're just doing something that they wanted to do in life is uh, a dream. So. Yeah, I go back into the hard scrabble neighborhoods. That's typically the folks who uh, want to see a Tiger Mountain Foundation uh, make a difference. Like I said, at the tender age of 56 years old, I 
I, I really feel I got 10 more years left. Uh, I, I almost sometimes when I say that, I feel like one of these basketball players. It's like, yeah, you maybe got about another three or four years, but <laughs> But, 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 but hey, Darren, I'm 71. And so you got, I think you got a good run in front of you. <laughs> nice. Thank you. Thank you, man. I appreciate that, Scott. That's good to know because you don't look it and uh, you definitely don't act it. And, and, and that's what I need. I, I, I want to, um, have a good run. Uh, th- this is more than work. It, it's a passion. If anyone would ask like, what are you going to do in life? And what could be your absoluteness and your exact beauty well, gosh darn it, man, I, I, I turned out to be a pretty uh, uh, grateful person, I'm grateful in, in so many ways. What's, what's the location in Phoenix of your biggest success, the, the, the garden and, and, and the specifics of, of the community and how that community in Phoenix was, uh, was transformed? Yeah, yeah. So, so my, my, that, that's an interesting question. So we have a project on 18th Street and Broadway uh, that was a blighted field pretty much run over with a lot of trash, a lot of uh, paraphernalia that was thrown when the police come. So, you know, we found all types of stuff when cleaning out that field on 18th Street and uh, and Broadway here in South Phoenix. Um, that, that was a biggie for us. Uh, also 19th Avenue, uh, right off of 19th Avenue, uh, 12th Avenue and Vineyard. Uh, that That's a uh, Actually, from the uh, an environmental uh, heat index was, is like the hottest area in the United States of America. So, so you got all this concrete jungle going on here, and and then you have all this urban sprawl. And, and so, what do people do? Uh, I mean, there there's uh, some fast food places uh, that are are thrown into that mix. Uh, uh, definitely liquor stores. Uh, so that that was a tough project for us. Uh, we're uh, entering our seventh year of that project. Uh, we get thousands of folks that come into that experiential service learning component, the majority of them being youth coming in from the community. However, we deal with that same reentry community that is myself. Uh, so those two projects um, were uh, two very tough projects. Like I said, I, I started this on the third highest murder capital block in the nation in, um, in, in South Central Los Angeles. And so I would have to say, though, that my biggest uh, task is actually my next task. I I, I really want to be as good as um, my last day. I'm I'm still hungry, still knowing and understanding that it's so important for our youth and and especially our young men. We got a gentleman, Brandon, who you know, who's doing a really great job here at the Max 6 Project. And, and it's important for him to understand what it actually takes, the fortitude, the resiliency. Every day is not going to be a good day. So this is uh, my biggest project. My, my biggest project is my next project. And, and we're smack dab in the middle of a Max 6 project that uh, is not so much about Max 6, but about the perimeter of Max 6 and, and uh, dealing with that predicament. So that's a great segue, Kyle, to tell the story of... Uh... What happened here at Max Six? Yeah, and then I, you know, what I'd like to get to at, at some point here, and I think using Max Six as an example or what the project that's going on outside here is really who all is affected by what we're doing. I mean, and it's easy to say the community Max Six has something to do with it, but what does that really mean? Like, what does it mean to say the community? What does it mean for Brandon? What does it mean for Max Six? What does it mean for the businesses around here? What does it mean for the apartment complex and the families that are living across the street? 
I think from what we're doing at Max, Max Six perspective, just to talk about when we, uh, yeah, we've known Darren for years, but jumped into let's do something together was, hey, we've got an issue going on uh, around our properties where there's, you know, we initially thought we have an issue with homeless. That's what we would say. We've got an issue with homeless. They're they're sleeping around. Uh, there is drug paraphernalia. There's some crime being committed. And, you know, our, our approach to it was extra security, call the police. Uh, uh, we've got great relationship with the city of Tempe and the police. But it was such a combative scenario that we had going on where we were telling people, you can't be here, get out extra security? Do we add an extra wall? Do we, how do we keep people out? And it was just this constant, like two rams heads button against each other, uh, combative relationship that we had that we decided to really, what if we thought of these people as a stakeholder in our business? Like they are, they're part of our community. Uh, they might not be renting square footage from us, but they are certainly affected by and are affecting what we do as a business. So how do we really think of what we're doing differently to who all of our stakeholders are, and whether it's uh, whether it's homeless or whether it's people that live in the neighborhood or whether it's other businesses that we're surrounded by or or people who are working through addiction issues or, or whatever the you know, whatever it is that's happening around us, not just push away, but really embrace and and see if we can come up with a new way to work with people so that hey, we're not just kicking the can down the road and continuing to uh, perpetuate this issue that's out there, but being part of the solution for ourselves and for the community around us that we're a part of. I mean, we speak, we talk this talk all the time. Max 6 is all about communities, building better communities where people and businesses thrive. But unless we're really going to do something and, and uh, not just the people that are inside our buildings, but really who all are we affecting, it's, uh, you know, how can we better walk our talk? And so I think when we started talking with Darren and with Tiger Mountain, it was, hey, we are willing and wanting to look at this issue that we're having in a different way. And so what might it look like to create a project here where we're not telling people, get out, stay away, uh, don't come here. You know, there's, there's, there's some times where that's appropriate, but how do we help people to get access to resources and, and really to, you know, we say all the time, capitalism has lifted more people out of poverty than any other socioeconomic system in the last 200 years. How do we connect people with resources and opportunity to do things with their own lives? That's what we're all about. And so how do we really further that uh, through another organization like Tiger Mountain? And just so to put in here before I turn it back over to Darren, because this is what you've just said, Kyle, is such an important part to me as you and I were prepping for the show earlier. And the theme of the show was always learning, always teaching. And there, as we were truly thinking, I was thinking, we're going to build bigger walls, we're going to put gates, we're going to put more security and, and put that on there. And it was, it was Chrissy and our team who had the idea, let's knock the wall down because people were sitting on the wall. And that whole learning that came out of that, that shift in thinking from build a bigger wall to knock, a, knock the wall down, and that's what led me to think about Darren in the first place. Is uh, and we said, okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna look at this differently than we were looking at it. it was such a key learning, and contacted Darren. Okay, if we're gonna knock the wall down, what else can we do? And and let's build a garden there. And and so, oh my gosh, as we as we we talk the talk of conscious capitalism and looking at all of our business stakeholders, employees, customers, vendors, and the obvious stakeholders, we talk about community as a stakeholder. 
never thought about homeless and vagrants as stakeholders in the business, but it just it's just such a reinforcing thing to me how we how we think about it differently. And then as 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 Darren has come into this, you and I, we have not been homeless. We have not had the same experience as the folks that have been visiting our property and and sometimes sleeping here. That's where where Darren has been such a wonderful mentor for us as he's come into. Uh, how we've uh, engaged those community mem- community members, uh, the homeless. Yes, we're going to build a garden. That's the physical look of it. But the real magic, uh, Darren, that uh, that you work is how you've helped us learn how to engage uh, the folks that are here in a proactive way, and it's going to increase our property values. And and, and at the same time, so I just, uh, thank you for that. And uh, just as as you've come here, Darren. Uh, uh, just uh, f- fill in for us as uh, you're, you've been working with us uh, here, getting this going with uh, uh, with our homeless population, with the city, with uh, with everything else. Yeah, yeah. So, so this is definitely something that could be a a bone of contention with folks, and and that is the fact that you you call it conscious capitalism. I, I call it social entrepreneurism. The the what's in it for me is with both parties, the buildup of Tiger Mountain Foundation as an agri-landscaping component from a sustainability avenue is important to us. So taking on this project from a business perspective makes sense. Taking on this project, Tiger Mountain Foundation is now in its 15th year. So taking on this project um, with Uh, an organization that actually deals with folks like myself. Uh, And I'm I'm very uh, honest that that I've I've been through all the issues that I typically encounter, uh, whether it's the substances, uh, whether it's the homelessness, whether it's, unfortunately, uh, the vagrancy. I've literally uh, been down those back alleyways and behind those businesses and needed rest and slept at the doorstep of some place that just had light or used in a place that just had that had light and, and and not taking into consideration anything else other than uh my self-destruction at that time. So here it is. This this is a non-traditional step with an organization that has a CEO that that comes from that and actually not only uh incorporates but actually employs others who come from that and typically look for people who come from that to exact that change that uh, sometimes is so very rarely found. I mean, we go looking for it, for goodness sakes. So so this is um, a very ambitious thing. Uh, as I've looked at it over the years, uh, it, it's kind of the most unusual niche to have in a person's life. I'm not sure that there's a course in anywhere in America <laughs> other than maybe Tiger Mountain Foundation where you can actually come and excel uh, after being through uh, the depths of that darkness um, in an educational platform, in a relational platform. And so this is, uh, I, I commend you guys because like I said, uh, the, the, the business aspect of Tiger Mountain Foundation has carried us uh, not to this tremendous height. Uh, however, uh, we do have a next level of expectation with our organization to go to a, uh, a more sustainable height 
uh, with our agri-landscaping, uh, with our produce to scale, uh, working at a max six intrinsically with the community, but also growing produce to scale in some of the areas here uh, that have been identified as areas where we can actually grow our, our nutritious produce to scale. So, so ambitious is the word of the day for me in regards to uh, this type of effort. And I want to commend you guys and thank you guys because it's ambitious and, and it's not traditional. Uh, we, we are not coloring in the lines here. Uh, municipality from the city of Tempe has been incredible, uh, has really embraced us, uh, human resources department, uh, city management, and the police department. And that's important because um, we're out here, uh, we could be viewed the same as anyone else. And systemically, uh, we know that that's a roadblock. Uh, however, uh, we've worked uh, with the uh, city of Tempe Police Department to uh, actually uh, again, break down those walls. So I appreciate you guys for giving us that opportunity. It's been interesting. I'll, I'll say, yes, the city has been great. The police have been continued to be great. And we've had uh, only a couple minor hiccups and uh, things. Is, but really, it's been about, uh, it's new for them. This, this, what you just said, that this is unique and new. I mean, what all of the things that were being reinforced for us to try prior to working with you were more lights, more security, more walls. There's whole industries around things like hostile architecture, the complete opposite of what we're talking about, or hostile uh, landscaping architecture. So yeah, plant lots of cactus is hostile right. landscaping. And Jagged so, rocks and cactus. And now we're going to have edible landscaping. And so when... I've definitely appreciated having the city and the police involved in these conversations and they come with uh, an approach that to a degree, you know, it's what they do. It's how they know how to work towards solving an issue. But uh, for, to give credit to them as well, that they've really sat around and said, Oh, okay, this sounds like it could make sense. Let's try something new here. I mean, from, so I'll, I'll speak to uh, the max six business case for doing this, I guess. And, that building closest to where that garden is coming into, uh, we bought in 2018. It was probably in the high 70% uh, occupancy. It went down to 25% occupancy. And a lot of that I can attribute to the issues that we're having over there and people uh, saying, hey, I'm trying to run a business. It, it looks a certain way. I don't have uh, employees that feel safe necessarily. And, and we've had people move out. We're back up to 66% occupancy today and signing new leases every week. And so from, from just the business case, even if I didn't care about the social entrepreneurship perspective, which I do, but even if that's all I cared about, wow, by doing some good things here and connecting with uh, uh, groups that are doing things in a different way, there's just a monetary way to look at this and say, it makes a lot of sense as a business while at the same time, I know that there's, I've met, uh, went out there with you, Darren, the other day uh, when there was people moving rock and, and uh, what there were two people that it, you had just met that morning from the neighborhood that wanted to be a part of this and kind of briefly told me their story and why it made, made them feel like they wanted to do something and be a part of it, whether if it was for themselves or, or uh, the young woman who told me that she was doing this in honor of her cousin who had passed away. Wow. Like what, what amazing 
uh, what an amazing impact could be had at the same time as this economic uh, uh, thing that really makes sense from a business perspective as well. Yeah. Go ahead, Darren. Without a doubt. Yeah. So um, that, that young lady, by the way, uh, in little less than a month's time, is, uh, should be moving into her new home. Uh, or her, her, her new apartment, and, and we take some baby steps here, uh, we, we will uh, put her with a mentor who could maybe ultimately get her involved with the first-time home buyers. but that's a gigantic step from literally kind of hanging out on a wall, for goodness sakes, that's where we met her. And um, she's trying to be reunited with her, uh, her, her kids, uh, and she's also taking some substance abuse uh, courses. So, so yeah, that, that story, when you really see what that is, uh, there, there's an incredible depth to that. And, and now there's probably about five or six folks who receive some type of workforce incentive for the work that's actually happening here uh, at Max 6. And when I say five or six folks, if you kind of do the math here in the course of a year, uh, but we're talking about about a month here. So we're talking, you know, in the course of a year that projects very nicely as far as putting people back into workforce, putting people back into some type of uh, quality of lifestyle change. So you're absolutely right. I mean, we, we look at these deaths and, and, and then... Um, once again, uh, yeah, being in this type of situation where we can actually see this positive change happening, it makes a difference. Uh, I, as, a, as an entrepreneur, uh, someone, uh, like I said, who uh, wants the social entrepreneurism aspect of, of, of that work to really shine through, uh, I'm looking at other folks who are tenants here at the building who have come up and said, hey, man, I hear you guys are over at Max 6. You know, we're a tenant over there. It's great to have you over there. And, and so uh, now, now we're looking at how do we do other really positive stuff with a local first Arizona and or uh, uh, a car say group and or a donutty or, you know, and, and, and this is this is beautiful. I mean, th- this is little old Tiger Mountain Foundation having some of that type of impact with um, uh, entrepreneurs. And, and so we want to see that uh, happen um, and have that type of effect on, on folks. So I appreciate hearing those numbers, Kyle, because uh, that, that's, that's what it's supposed to be. And, uh, and it's supposed to be us kind of going, well, okay, now we got that month in our rear view. What, what does it look like? What, what, one of the things that I want to share very quickly, and I got to get this out, a little antidote. We, we were talking about like, we were talking about like uh, what what should this be from a contractual perspective? I I, I really wanted this to be a month to month only because I, I'm just so confident and, and Scott and I talked about that on what we can do and who we are. So so I, I don't need to sugarcoat that. You you don't need to solidify me into X. I, I'm I'm going to take care of this and and then that's how we get those five, 10, 15 years in our rear view. You just never stop being conscious of the fact that um, this is something, man, that I'm super proud of. And so that's who we are. And that's what has happened. And uh, I, I'm looking forward. And uh, yeah, uh, that young lady, I'm going to say her name, Christina. I won't say your last name because I think there's some HIPAA laws and all kind of other stuff. But Christina, you keep on kicking AZZ. Darren, is, uh, you use the term social entrepreneurship. And I almost sense from you as I use the term conscious capitalism. 
you and others have a negative idea of ca- this word capitalism. And it's, and it's uh, as, as we talked with uh, your team out there and Brandon and Ali, and uh, as we, we talk about conscious capitalism, and I think, I think the distinction is important because too many people look at social entrepreneurship, well, you're just giving something away. And okay, I'm going to make my money and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do some good in social entrepreneurship. As we talk about conscious capitalism, it's, it's really the distinction is too many people think capitalists are just putting their money in their pocket, whatever. The conscious capitalism is that win-win for everybody. And we're not, as, as we're working with Tiger Mountain and thinking of ourselves, I call myself a hardcore capitalist. That creates certain impressions in people that I'm a, I'm a bad guy. But this win-win really is, we're not giving anything away as we're engaged with you, is, is we're, we're going to have a financial win out of, out of this. And a financial win is all of our, our community members and, and having a great place they can work. And, and we're going to make more money because we've got, got people working over there. And that's, I think, for all of us to understand that social entrepreneurship is not necessarily just giving something away. And capitalism is not just necessarily putting money in your pocket. Cal- I mean, you and I, uh, uh, from the beginning of Act 6, how do we knock down those artificial boundaries between nonprofit work and for-profit work because we think there's such a synergy there? And so, Darren, I think over time with yourself and, and Brandon and Ali and, and all of the community is so, for all of us to have that better understanding of what – this is what real capitalists do with uh, – uh, not the bad guys we hear hear about on, on Wall Street, but uh, what real businesses that uh, think about their community and think long term, that if we were thinking short term, it'd be, hey, police, solve this problem for us, uh, and, and, and we're going to make more money this quarter long term. Uh, this is how real business owners and most of them work. So I just, just challenge you and others to be, uh, and, and myself as well, as we're always learning, always teaching, to think about how we use those terms and, and, and what they mean as we go and take next steps and ed- educate uh, Brandon, Ollie, and, and uh, everybody in the community around what real conscious capitalism is for the win-win for everybody. Yeah, that, that's, that, that's super important. So, so I, I, you wouldn't necessarily catch me saying capitalism is a bad thing. I'm, I'm, I'm part of that uh, dream of a guy. I told you I've been in these back alleyways. However, uh, I, I have media and technology stocks that are uh, doing uh, quite nice as we sit here and have this conversation. Uh, if that ain't capitalism, I don't know what is. Right. However. I've been able to even use some of that dividend to actually reinvest back into the social entrepreneurism. It, it's really, and you're right, Scott, it's just a distinction on conscious capitalism and how you want to do good for the community and or social entrepreneurism. You're, you're really kind of skirting on the same area. You're, you're, you're literally working in the same area. I, I, I um, over the last 20 years of my life got involved in some residential um, uh, real estate. And and so those particular pockets of what I do actually appreciate and gain equity as we speak. So, so, uh, and and I'm not, uh, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the wealthiest man in the world. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely one of the richest men in the world because I just told you the type of work that I do is social entrepreneurism. So I figured out a way to actually be comfortable in my own skin. I figured out a way to provide security for myself and my family. Um, I figured out a way to actually perpetuate something and learn from others uh, on this journey. And, and it's come from a conscious capitalism, social entrepreneurism vein. You know what's interesting to me with this is uh, I think 
I think the the concept of money has gotten so convoluted in people's heads that 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 almost clouds this discussion. And when people have issues with capitalism, I think it's because they're almost looking at people or businesses that whether they actually do or they feel that they do money, the purpose of it for those businesses is to hoard it and collect it. And for the purpose of having more of it, as opposed to, I think, I think a great majority of businesses, and this is just capitalism, but a great majority of businesses, the purpose isn't to collect and get more and, and hoard and just have money for the sake of having money, but because they started with this purpose to create value for people. And if they're able to create value for people, yes, they get money. But that's just a measuring stick to the success of their value creation. So if they have more money, it just means they have more ability to do more value creation. And so whether it's social entrepreneurship or conscious capitalism or just capitalism in general, I mean, if we could just uh, think of money as just it's just a tool, it's just a measuring stick. I think uh, it really we're all for the most part, wanting to do good by one another and create value for one another. And whether it's a for-profit or a non-profit, that's just a tax distinction. It's just, I mean, that's just how you set up your business, right? But we just want to create good for the communities that we serve. I think there's no difference in what we want, what the city wants, Christine, what she wants. Like, you know what's the most amazing thing I've seen out of these emails I get from Brandon that I see every night of your your uh, your guys out here talking to people in the neighborhood? It's not, I want more money. That never gets said, right? It's, I want a better life. I want uh, to get employment. I want to get off drugs. But the most amazing thing is I want to get back to my neighborhood. I want to, I want to make change in this neighborhood. I want to help with whether it's violence or connections or resources or education or like, every time I see that, I don't know why it's surprising. There's no difference between all of us that are, you know, doing business things or people that are just individuals. We all want to do good by each other. And money's just a measuring stick that we happen to use in the society of how we do that. Kyle, those reports we're seeing uh, from uh, nightly and I've uh, just uh, for anybody listening is uh, Tiger Mountain crews uh, refer to Brandon and there's others are out here uh, at night between 10 o'clock at night and three o'clock in the morning and engaging uh, with uh, with folks that are here. And as, as the reports, I have just felt so good as we're as we're doing this, that those folks that you're talking about to, that are here, the drug addicted vagrants that we talking about like that have aspirations in their life. And, and through the work we're doing with uh, Darren and Tiger Mountain, uh, not only will we solve our help solve our problem, but to uh, help create better lives uh, for them as well. I mean, those, those reports, Darren, are, are just so important for all of us, I think, as you're engaging folks and uh, teaching them. And that's just, just been a great part of the experience uh, for us as, uh, as you're doing that engagement. Without a doubt. So it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the, the folks that we work with and that we engage actually now become participants. So, so now it's an empowerment initiative. The, the, these beautiful human beings are actually us in a different light. I, I think there's a, a passage that said, but for the grace, there go I for the grace of God, something right. along that line, which in essence is saying that that's me in another life or that's me in a past life. But that's definitely me though. That's definitely me. So, so 
Um, yeah, there, there, that, that happens. I mean, here's something about the, the, the I, I want to touch on that capitalism piece. Consumerism yep. happens at the most rapid, highest rate in the lowest income communities. So it's kind of like voting. Either you do something about it or you do nothing at all. So, so once again, you guys taking an opportunity with us is actually doing something about it because we're saying that, hey, we're, we're going to change the narrative of maybe what's on that corner. Now we got a farmer's market. Now we have community gardens. Now we have more nutritious sustenance. We're doing something about it. We, we bring dollars into this conversation. It's still capitalism. It's still consumerism, right? However, we don't want blight to be a part of that. So I don't want to have a big old uh, sugar drink that I just throw the, the bottle away, right? I, I want to have that area now looking like beautification because that, that's my soul, right? So, so I'm, I am a capitalist. I am an entrepreneur. I am a social and or a uh, conscious person as well, right? And, and so um, this is it. And, and, and this is, like I said, it's super unique. I'm appreciating the opportunity, as you guys probably can hear. Um, just like my first fast pitch when I first came into the room, I, I was like, man, I need to you know, make a phone call to somebody and take a picture, man, and let them know, man, I got my 15 minutes of fame. How, however, now I'm, 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 as we start these conversations, uh, I'm, I'm just... This is it. I mean, I'm so relaxed in this uh, realm of uh, of uh, what this is, and and so uh, and 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 I can't say enough appreciative. Uh, I I just think that it's important uh, that you stay humble through all of these uh, uh, conversations and realize that once you get out of this studio, uh, you're you're going to hug a beautiful human being and a tree. You know something you said to me weeks ago, and it's it's you. I, you know, I don't know if you, you meant to say it that I take it and hold it in my head as dearly as I do, uh, but I think about it almost every day, and it goes to something you were just talking about, which is that we're all people, we're all human beings, we're all the same in so many ways, and and often I think we forget that, and we see like this issue is in front of me, and so I'm just going to externalize it. And think of it as this, oh, that's them, that's them. They're, they're doing something to me, right? I, it's hard to put myself in their shoes or be empathetic or really think about the experience they're going through and, and that how easily in a different life or this life or whatever, I could have, let's switch places and see what's going on. And what you said was, there isn't anybody in any of these alleys on either side of the transaction that's sitting there thinking, this is what I want my life to be. I feel healthy. I don't feel sick. I want, this is where I want to be. That made so much sense to me because it's not like anybody sitting there using, sleeping on the sidewalk. Like they just want a place to sleep, right? A place to sleep in light, a place of safety, uh, roof over their head, like whatever that is, or nutritious food. That's a human being. That's somebody who's living their life and wants something better for themselves and for their community. And we need to recognize that and not just say, get out. You're, cause, you're causing an issue for me. Get out. But that's a human being that's a part of our community that we really have an opportunity here 
whether you want to call it a responsibility or not, but like an opportunity here to really make change in that person's life. And what does it mean when that person's life changes? That's better for me at the same time. That's better for our whole community that that person is pulling themselves out of some of these negative things that are going on in their own life and really being productive in society, really adding to the neighborhood. I mean, it really just continues to shift my, my thought of it's not, we're not just addressing an issue that we have in that corner, us and them, but it's, we get the opportunity to not address an issue, but really actually be part of the neighborhood, not just help and, and, and here, give something, give resources, but like, Hey, we want to be a part of this with you. Like we're in it with you. We are you, you are us. Uh, uh, let's all do this together. Yeah. If I may, um, I've heard some different words, and I appreciate what you just said, Kyle. What we are attacking is absolutely predicament vagrancy. It's predicament of blight. It's disconnectedness. It's 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 non and disengagement. It's 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 those words. I mean, that's what it is. Let, Let let's not sugarcoat that. Okay, some people might be offended. Well, how could you use the word vagrants? And once again, I, and I got to keep it PG-13 here, but th- that that's a place where the sun don't shine conversation, right? See how I kept that PG-13? I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> However, we we are we are uh I was going to say attacking that. Uh that that sounds a bit assertive. We are addressing this adamantly and affirmatively. Uh so Again, you're absolutely right, Kyle. I mean, it's what the heck you do about it. What what do you do about it? Do do I look at somebody that that has shoes that that have holes in them, and I look at that person and go, man, shame on that person, or or do I look at that person and go, man, there there's a there's a reason why that person could could it be mental health? Could it be what what could that be? And, and then that person knows that I actually care about not so much his shoes, but, but, but his real soul, right? For instance, my my soul is being rescued by doing this work. I I wake up with purpose. His, his soul is being addressed affirmatively, uh, affirmatively. And, and, and that's what this is. It's, it's attacking those uh, systems Vagrancy, just as much as systemic could have contributed, well, systemically, it is now vagrancy. So if I got the dope sack in my pocket, right, and I'm pushing the yayo across the table, the cocaine across the table to you, then, then I'm ascribing to a certain piece of something that is not necessarily for your betterment. So in our grand imperfection, and I always say that, um, in our grand imperfection, just being able to address these things in a better way, in a more consistent way, in a way that uh, is uh, conclusively uh, uh, going to be for um, uh, a greater good is exactly what we're doing here. Hey, I, we're, we're probably getting close to running out of time, but there's a, a, a quick story that, uh, Kyle, as, as you brought in this 
people aspect and, and focusing on people uh, and mainly talking about our vagrant and homeless population as people, that is also true. I'd like to bring the police into it as human beings as well, because that's one of the things and I've, I've described to a number of people a magic moment as, as Darren, when you first came out and we had our agreement and, and you and 20 Tiger Mountain folks uh, came out here and looking at the garden and, and uh, uh, Man, there's a cross-section of humanity there that uh, some folks who've had their own drug issues and been homeless and been there and look a little bit like some of the homeless and uh, 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 black and white and brown and, uh, and whatnot. And it was pouring down rain and we all uh, 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 walked under as you were doing pep talks and under the uh, uh, covered parking out there. And it just happened that uh, uh, there were three members of the Tempe police that uh, were there at the same time. They, they come and they make a presence as they and uh, here. That we invited them to come join the conversation. Had no idea how that was going to go. The theme here, those are individual, they're people too. And it's in society today, and, and uh, uh, there's a lot of uh, tension around this conversation around police. But uh, Darren, you were brilliant. As we, we invited those three officers in their full uniforms, and you've got your community there, folks, and you ended up having every one of the uh, Tiger Mountain folks introduce themselves to the police. And there was a conversation there that to me was just a magic, magic moment of the Tiger Mountain folks, the people were the, that are homeless that we're going to be working with, and the police who were there, they've got their own tensions and concerns as well. And, and looking at them as human beings and uh, as we look at everybody as people, and I think about the police as human beings as well, and the city of Tempe, who, who on the Zoom call we had recently with uh, some of those folks, is we're pushing their limits of, of, of what they're doing. But anyway, just, Darren, you know, thank you for that magic moment. Is, and that's, that's expanding this focus on people and, and, and police and, and whatnot, uh, uh, your perspectives on, uh, on, on, on that element of our, our community that we're, we're bringing in and tensions that are there. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm looking at Kyle because Kyle... Uh, did it very eloquently earlier. Uh, it said there, there were a few bumps in the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, to put it mildly, uh, and, and it was mildly. I mean, I, I, I gosh, I, I, I couldn't be here in this conversation if this was a train wreck, and, and it's just so not. It's not that. It, 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 it's some of the expected nuance that you just referred to, Scott, with human beings that come from different culture that that come from maybe even uh, different, what am I doing right now in my life perspective. A police officer who is actually asked to protect the community is going to probably be more in that mode. Uh, uh, a person who works at Tiger Mountain Foundation is going to be more in the mode of, hey, I am the predicament. I'm, I'm the predicament uh, personified. So, so how do I change my own predicament and, and the predicament of why I'm even being brought into this incredible, beautiful conversation? So, so there you have it. And, and, and then somewhere in between, if these bumps in the roads can, uh, uh, and, and what we talked about today is those bumps in the roads actually being smoothed and, and, and then that road being uh, a road of commonality. That, that's what has happened. And it was a quick from there to here. And uh, that doesn't always happen. So this is uh, on a really good road to um, uh, a better place. So we are about wrapped up. Uh, I think uh, this is the first show we're doing of Always Learning, Always Teaching, as we've reformatted this show. And we'll continue to add some more formatting to this. But I'll just say uh, 
It's something that we have learned and continue to learn, and I continue to learn in this conversation is uh, the stakeholder approach to business. The stakeholder approach to life, forget business. It's just, you know, that's a part of life. But there's, who do I really serve? And asking yourself that question. And there's people you create value for that you have a monetary exchange with, but who do you really serve and who do you really affect with all of the choices that you make and the actions that you take as a business or an individual? I think just what I would encourage anybody listening, whether you're a business person, whether you own a business, whether you work for somebody, whether you're whatever you do is to really challenge yourself with that question and think, who do I serve? Who are my stakeholders? And really think outside the box because there's probably people that you are affecting in a positive or negative or just, you know, in any way and you don't really think about it. And how could you think about those people and bring them into the mix to create more value? It's only going to better serve you and your business in the long term, but those people as well. And I'm really interested in, hey, anybody listening to this, let us know, what do you think about that? What are some, uh, what are some ways that you're going to take a look and think differently about your business and who your stakeholders are that you haven't been addressing in the past? Uh, that's something I'd like to learn and continue to learn from people out there in the community. Uh, this project's going to keep going on. We're going to continue learning new things about uh, who is it we're really working with and working to support. It's just, uh, it's been an awesome conversation. Darren, before we uh, really close it out, can you let anyone listening know how they might find you or Tiger Mountain Foundation online? Yeah, they can find me at the wall over here at Mike 6 uh, off of Priest and Southern <laughs> at 1.30 in the morning. So uh, come on down. Bring a sandwich. Healthy sandwich. Actually, uh, Foundation is uh, where uh, a lot of the good work is happening. And uh, I'm so proud of uh, all the folks uh, from our board members uh, to our incredible participants at Tiger Mountain Foundation. Again, www.tigermountainfoundation.org. So thank you to Darren Chapman from Tiger Mountain Foundation for being on the show today. And for anybody listening to Always Learning, Always Teaching with your hosts, Kyle and Scott McIntosh. Until next time, we are off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive. Thank you for listening to Always Learning, Always Teaching with your hosts, Kyle and Scott McIntosh. Each episode highlights business leaders who are creating long-term win-wins for all of their stakeholders and practicing business as a force for good. To be a part of the conversation, schedule a visit with us at the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center in Tempe, Arizona, and connect with us at max6.com. Be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast. And now we're off to continue building better communities where people and businesses thrive.